And so Be'ez HaShem, this week we're going to do something a little bit different in the sense that usually we take one isolated teaching from one of the Svar Makdashim, either, you know, it's the Meshilach, or the Svas Emes, or the Maranayim, the Dengamach Nefrayim, the Nehemiah Melech, one of those, Kedusha Slevi, you know, first, second generation uh, Tzadikim, ordinarily, usually that's where we go. Um, with different exceptions, but today we're actually going to be delving right into the middle of a very big piece in Likuti Alachas, actually, that speaks about Parsha's Korach, that speaks specifically about Korach's problem and what it was that Korach's mistake was. And a little bit it requires a Hakdama, in as much as every teaching in Likuti Alachas requires a Hakdama, because the Hakdama to every teaching in Likuti Maran, in Likuti Alachas rather, is the teaching in Likuti Maran that Rabbi Nachman is basing his teaching on. So a lot of people think that Likuti Alachas, you know, is maybe an easier sort of safer to learn than Likuti Maran, but the truth is there is no Likuti Alachas without Likuti Maran. If a person tries to open up Likuti Alachas because he happens to be learning, you know, Hilchus Natil Sidayim, and he opens it up, and he thinks that he's just going to be able to, to jump right in, whatever he's able to understand or she's able to understand is going to be maybe 20%, maybe, of what they'll be able to really understand if they would go to the Kutim Maran first, like Rabbanasan always brings at least a summary, but he says, Ayin Sham Hetev, he wants you to come in, you know, with an absolute clear, lucid knowledge of the Kutim Maran before going into Likut So, certainly to jump right into the middle of a very long piece in Likut Alachas, Hilchas Maso Matan, in the second Chelek, of Lakute Alachas, meaning Arachayim Bez. So it's 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 Maso Matan Dalid, and it's a couple of Isis in the middle, it's a very long piece. And Ramnasin over there is talking about, just by way of introduction, Ramnasin is speaking about the Nakuda of connecting the concepts of Rashis and Achris, the concepts of the very origins and creation, spiritually speaking, of creation as we know it. And then the achris, the actual lived experience of human beings in physical bodies living within a physical world. One of the core spiritual foundations to our hashkafa and our emuna is the understanding that there's an interiority of existence, that there's the world as we see it, but that there's something beyond this world and that this world is the lowest form of existence which actually reaches far, far, far beyond in many different iterations, many different steps that HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes, so to speak, in order to manifest Himself as creation, as we know it. Because it cannot be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu can simply create something and then have it exist as an independent entity like both the Nebuchadnezzar and the Baltani, or Marech, Baltani and Shariche Vemuna in the beginning, Nebuchadnezzar as well, in Shar Gimel. It's impossible to have such a thing. Because there's no place, there's no place aside from him. And so you can't have, like a human being can go ahead and take a couple of pieces of wood and put them together into a chair, and he doesn't need to sit there constantly, consistently taking these pieces of wood and making them a chair. He made it a chair, they exist separate of him, he's the creator, that's the creation, and it exists. But by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that there's no, there's no space into which HaKadosh Baruch Hu could conceivably place something that he creates so that it should exist separate from him. All there is is him. And so what that means is, is that creation must be subsumed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, infused by him, so to speak. And that there's an interaction between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and creation on a very essential level. And then, of course, we run into the difficulty, well, how does infinity become finite? Or what's the relationship? Where's the bridge between this aspect of infinity and a finite creation? How can that happen? And so, of course, the Mukubalim, without getting into the depth of it now, but the Mukubalim are marich to explain an incredibly nuanced and complex system in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu undergoes a series of tzimtzumim, of constrictions, which are essentially concealments, level after level, stage after stage, stage within stage, level within level, so that ultimately, at the finality of that process, at the very end, we're left with the possibility of a physical world, which is at the very core and at the very root still absolutely bound with the essence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That infinity is able to wear garments upon garments upon garments upon garments upon garments so that ultimately there could be the possibility of experiencing a finite nature from the perspective of conscious beings within a finite world 
but that every aspect of that finite world is still uh, is bound the whole world is filled with the Kaddish Baruch Hu but from our perspective we can see a physical world these are the concepts of racist and achris. On the level of reishis, this is sort of the ratzon that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had still in and of his infinity. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu has this desire and this ratzon to create a world. But as of yet, there's no even beginnings of a process, not even the planning out, either on the level of chachma, on the level of bina, certainly not in, in terms of the emotional aspects in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually goes through the process of creation. All there is a desire, that's called reishis. That's called the, 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 you know, that, that aspect of a Kaddish Baruch Hu that's mamish called or, or not that aspect of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but that aspect of the system of creation that we refer to as Ayin Ba'achachma which is the second stage may Ayin Timatse emerges from the place of Ayin and on that level all there is is godliness that we can't understand it it's still not a Kaddish Baruch Hu the Ein Sof Ba'atzmo but that's the level of Rashis of a Kaddish Baruch Hu complete spirituality without Levushim, a Kaddish Baruch Hu as himself, the crown, the kingship, that aspect of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's essence. And then ultimately, all the way, all the way, all the way down to this realm of Malchus de Malchus of Asiya, of this place of the Achris where we abide and where our lives are lived, within this experience of a physical world, within this experience of Gashmias where we can't even imagine a realm beyond this in terms of becoming more physical, physicality-oriented or allowing for more of a distraction from that realm of the racious, that that's the whole mission of our nation is to try to live our lives and bring together the racious and the achris or to perceive the racious not despite but because of and through the achris, to see the world as revealing God as opposed to concealing Him. That is and we talk about this command in every shir because that's really the essence of our faith. That's what the Baal Shem Tov spoke about where he stressed that God's rutzon in creating the world was a taiva nisavelo lios lodira betachtonim. So that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be able to be revealed through the physical world, through the human experience. And that's the avoda of bringing together the rashis and the achris. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ani rishon ani achron. We know that ani is always associated with the sphere of Malchus, that's the manifestation. Emanikan, Hakolkan, that's the aspect of Malchus manifesting itself. That's the physical world that, the, that we perceive. But we know that the letter Ani could be switched around, or the word Ani rather, could be switched around to spell Ayin. And Ayin, like we said, is Keser. And so that Ani Rishon is the Ayin of Keser which itself contains Kesar, Chachma, and Bina, the first three stages of God's desire to create the world. That's the crown that's above the intellectual properties. And then Chachma and Bina. Because Ayin, the Aleph of that word, is going to be the Kesar. The Yud is going to be the Chachma. And the Nun is Nun Shari Bina. And that's the level of Ayin, Ani Rishon. That's the Ayin Rishon. And then Ani Achron. What's our job? It's to bring together those two aspects and to try to manifest within our conscious lives and within our Bechira and within our decisions and within our seeking to become a little bit more holy and a little bit less attached to physicality and a little bit to help out other people and a little bit what we're doing in doing so is bringing together the Ani Rish and Ani Achren and manifesting God's desire to dwell within the lowest realms and to manifest that potential within our lives. And so that's a little bit by way of introduction to what Rabbi Nassim is talking about here. So let's dive in. There's a ton to do. Rabbi Nassim, different than a lot of the tzaddikim that we ordinarily learn, is, is, is flowing in this miraculous flow. I think Rabbi Nassim described to one of his Talmidim that he didn't used to write. He said he put his pen down onto, onto the parchment and it just went and it just flowed. And, and I was to grow up in a house where my father actually purchased at, a, at an auction a long, long time ago. Um, he purchased a page out of Rabbi Nassim's Lakute Halachas, out of the notebook, out of the original notebook. They were preserved, and at some point somebody realized it would probably be uh, a wise uh, business decision to rip out all of the pages, or at least to cut them out and then to sell them each individually. Um, and so that's what he did. And my father was able to always show us in the Lakute Halachas where you know, that paper is from. You see Rabbi Nassim's handwriting on the actual pages that Rabbi Nassim sat in front of, and the way in which this writing just flowed like an ocean. So you'll see it's a different style of writing. So we'll try to go through it a little bit more quickly. 
because there's also a lot of repetition and a lot of seeing the same ideas, you know, saying them slightly differently. But with the time that we have, Be'ez HaShem, let's try to get through this piece. All B'Siyat HaDashmaya and with tremendous gratitude to all of you for being here. What a privilege to be able to learn with you today from Yerushalayim. Says they had the Gareb Nasan Schlusi Agnolina Vizabachinas Mashit Srik and Lis Chazik Maoid Maoid Beis Hagamar Shalamitzvah, Vavoid Shehishil. Says Rub Nasan, this is why it's so incredibly important for a person to make sure that whatever he or she is involved in, in a way of holiness, that it reaches the end, that we bring it mikoach from potential el apoel to actuality. When a person begins to do a mitzvah, what do we tell him? What's the bracha? Gemar, you should be zochet to finish it. And the Eina mitzvah, another chazal tell us that, tell, that tells us that the mitzvah is nikres. Who gets the credit for a mitzvah? Ella al, al, al misha goimer, the person who finishes the mitzvah. The ikr seems to be the end, to bring it out mikoach al and this is what we see with our own eyes. It's the end that is so difficult. The beginning is hard. Like we know, tell us the beginning is difficult. After the beginning has already been started, you know, anytime you start a new project, certainly in creativity, design, you know, you have to sort of set like a template, right, in the beginning. And then after that, you sort of already did the hard work, and then it's just a matter of manipulating things, right, to be able to fit the new content. But once you start something, okay, it gets a little bit easier. Things just start to, start to flow. You get into a, into a rhythm. But then again, when you come to the end of this process, again, it becomes very difficult. That's why Chazal were so strongly giving us chizik and encouragement about the finish, about finishing and about completing. Like we just learned, like we said. I'm sorry, come on, right? This can be explained based on what we said above. The very end of this experience of trying to go ahead and to do a mitzvah, to do an uvda de kedusha, something holy, is the aspect of achris. It's the end. It's the final stage in that creative spiritual process. And the sweetest, most beautiful thing is when you're able to bring the beginning all the way to the end and to make a yichud, unification, between the aspect of rashis, which was the desire to do something holy, and then mamish, to allow it to manifest within all of the physicality of the achris. That's what the mitzvahs are. Each mitzvah is a mini rashis and a mini achris. It's a rashis when we read a halacha in Shulchan Archa and we say, oh, I never knew that before. I want to start to implement that. That's the rashis. And that's drawing from the level of Keser, from God's will for us. And that's the Torah. And then the Achris is when we actually go ahead and implement it into our physical lives. Right? That's bringing together Rashis and Achris. Ani Rishin, Ani Achrin, Ayin and Ani. Keser and Malchus. V'yit Melucha, Keser Melucha. V'yalkein Mizgara. Right? So he says, so he says, Shezeu Tachlis Kala Mitzvahs. V'avadus Kanal. That's the whole purpose of the Mitzvahs, like we, like we explained. Ki in... He says that's going to be when a person is zocha to take a mitzvah that he wanted to do and to bring it b'shleimus v'alkein mizgaral zeb al davar ma'oy. So the Yitzar is so much more serious and concerned with this because he wants to prevent that from happening. He has no problem with you starting things. Even then he causes issues. Kalas kalas kashas. But ultimately, okay, you can start a million things, but don't bring it down. Mikoach alapoa. You can have good desires, good intentions, but the ikr is he doesn't want you to actually follow through. And so I'll have you start a thousand different mesechtas and you'll get through the first three blot, but to make siyumim doesn't want. And I heard once, and it's brought down, I bring it down in, in the story of our lives in a footnote somewhere in the, toward the, the latter part of the book, the later chapters. I heard from a, a close friend of Judah Klein, who I think he quoted it in the name of Yaakov Meir Shechter, quotes from Kadbainim. That the name of the Yitzhahara we know is Samach Mem Aleph Lamu. We shouldn't say it, we call him Samach Mem, right? But Sam, and then the, the, the Shem Kel, right at the end. Samach Mem Aleph Lamu. And so he told me that a Russia Tevis for, for these letters of the Yitzhahara can spell Siyum, that's the Samach, Mesechtas is the Mem, the Aleph is 
Ein and the Lamed is Lasseis. Siim Mesechtas Ein Lasseis. Samach Mem, the Yitzhahar doesn't want that we should finish Mesechtas. To start, he has no problem. But the Gemar, that's what he has an issue with. That's what he has the issue with. And so he prevents us from bringing this mitzvah mikoach ala poel. Kamal for example, he says, right, or I'm sorry, let's go back, Valkane, right, Valkane, therefore, Tzrichim lischazeg, ma'oid, a person needs to go ahead and to put so much effort, to not only begin mitzvahs and have good intentions, but to follow through, to see it through to the end, we can. We have so much power. We're so incredibly powerful. Now, God is Baruch who gave us the Torah because he, gave, because he believes in our ability to do it, and it's not hard. God is Baruch who gives us the strength to do it. Because every single Mitzvah, anything that we want to do or to say or to think, it too has a beginning and an end. When is the completion of the mitzvah? Even if you have 99% of a mitzvah, but it's only when you actually finish that 1% that the mitzvah mamish registers as a mitzvah with all the good intentions. But then it's registered. We're not talking about a case of oinus, you understand, when a person can't, right? But a person has to go ahead and actually do the mitzvah, coming to shul and standing with your feet together and shuckling, but you're not saying the words of Shema Nasrei. It's not the gemar, right? The, the tefillah has not been accomplished. So he says, Kamar the Mashal, he gives a different example. A person needs to write tefillin. So it's a tremendous craftsmanship to take the skin of an animal, the hide, and to turn it into tefillin, the whole process, how long that takes. So he says, it's very beautiful, you can have mamish. I'm sorry, right? And then to fix up, to make sure you have ink. And to try to write, not to try, but to go ahead and to write out the parashiyas of Tfil and the Abra parashiyas. So he says, Then you went ahead and you wrote all the parashiyas of the Tfilin. And you made the Tfilin and the right ink and all the preparations and the cloth and everything's kosher and you write all the Tfilin. But you're missing one letter in a Bechal Tfilin. These are not called tefillin. They may look like tefillin. They may feel like tefillin. But if you're missing one letter, that's not the gemar of the tefillin. Until you finish writing them. But then after you finish writing the parashis, you can go ahead and have parashis of tefillin written out a thousand times and bind those on your arm, that's not either tefillin, right? It doesn't have the bias. It doesn't have the batim. It doesn't have the ritzuis, the straps. Because the only way to be mekayim tefillin is to write the parashis properly and then to put them into the batim, into the separate tefillin, you know, the, the houses, so to speak, the shalyad and the shalrosh, and to go ahead with all the halachas and to tie them up with the veins and the sinews the way that we need to, and then to put on the straps, and not to put them on the back of the head or the side of the head, but to put them directly, especially where it's supposed to be and then you went ahead and you were mekayim the mitzvah of tefillin nimtza we find until all the while that the mitzvah does not actually go till the end in accordance with the halacha ain't a mitzvah klal with all the good intentions and maybe you'll get schar for the ratzon tov I'm sure you'll get tzar for the Ratzon Tov. That's for sure. Rabbi Nachman says the Iker is the Ratzon. But he also says the Iker is the Maisa. We learned that in Sichas around the past two weeks. The Iker is the Maisa. To bring it, God has a very specific desire from us. And it's not up to us to decide how we want to serve Hashem. Part of being in love with the Kaddish Baruch Hu is to be very attuned to how He wants to be served and to do our best even when it's tough and even when it takes sacrifice. That's the essence of love. That's not the Yira aspect. That, that can still be filled with intimacy specifically when we don't want to. That's, when it beca- that's, what, that's, that's really when there's that incredible sacrifice that we're giving something up because we love Him and we want to serve Him, we want to connect with Him. So Dafka has to be on His terms, not on ours. The Chema Mitzvah Tzitzis, he says the same thing as with the Mitzvah Tzitzis. And here we're getting to Kairach. Even if a person goes ahead and he wraps himself in a talus that's completely tcheles from beginning to end, it makes no difference. Now that you have the whole thing made out of tcheles, 
but you have to go ahead and, and to put tzitzis on that. Otherwise, you're not you're not yoked to the mitzvah. And the same thing with the mitzvah mezuzah. Even if you have a house that's filled with sfarim, or even filled with mezuzahs. Imagine a person has a house stacked from bottom to top, from floor to ceiling with mezuzahs. We have to put the mezuzah on the doorway. Again, this nekuda of trying to bring it in the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu desired, racious achras, to manifest God's desire for us to go ahead and to make sacrifices in our lives, even when it's difficult, and to be very specific about carrying out what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, not arbitrarily, but because this is the way in which God is able to be revealed in our lives in the way that, it, that, 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 he, will, that he wills ultimately. And these are two examples, three examples. But this is the way it is with all the mitzvahs. Every single mitzvah has incredible detail, incredible halachas, the way in which everything needs to be done. That's why it's so important to learn halacha. Otherwise, we simply don't know what to do, even if we could know klalias. But people like us, that we mamish want to serve Hashem. Not just, you know, to, to get by and to look for coolest and, you know, but to really do it, you know, lechatchila, lechatchila. Because this is the way in which we're able to bring Hashem into our lives and the way in which we're able to bind ourselves to Him, there's incredible nuance and detail. All these halachas, many of which were given down, Rebbe to Talmud, Rebbe to Talmud, Father to Son, all the way down to our generation in 2021. Mami's going to speak about that. Hopefully we'll get there at the end. The sof of this class, we'll get to that part and to be mikasha the ratios for the achers. But here we are in the final generation and we made it and we made it and we're still here and we're still what an incredible experience that we made it it's specifically when we go ahead and we're making sure every detail not to overlook not because some rabbi told us or because some you know of our, of our fathers or some, some parent is, is, is really making sure some but because Yiddishkeit becomes an opportunity for dveikah it's not a rule that I have to follow or else and when it becomes reframed in such a way it's like the deepest most beautiful thing that I could possibly do is to try to give up of my own personal desires to try to keep you know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from me. And again, it doesn't mean to say we have to take on every single thing at once and so on. To go slow, you know, but to know what we can work on, what we should be working on, point by point, piece by piece, to learn the halachas, the relevant laws, and to try to apply them as best as we can, even when we don't understand them, specifically when we don't understand them, even when it's not easy for us, specifically when it's not easy for us. Because people like us care more about MS than about feeling good. So it's not so much about feeling good on a subjective level because ultimately it's not connected to MS. The MS of things often need to really be focused on to ask ourselves this question like, who is this really for? You know, are we just saying that it's for Hashem? Or is it really for Him and therefore I'm willing to go the extra mile even though it's not so comfortable for me? But in so doing, I'm binding the ratios to the achras. I'm allowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be revealed in my life in such a deep way. So he says that's how the light is able to shine in our lives. Not just to draw down the klalias of the mitzvah, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted, how tefillin should look externally, but every detail of what he wanted. From the highest of all levels, we spoke about keser, we spoke about ayin, the highest levels all the way down until Malchus, the Malchus of Asiya, our physical lives, that we should be mu'utter, surrounded in mitzvahs, talas, tefillin, Shabbos candles, chesnida, all the different akudas, chesed, and, and tefillah, and so on and so forth, that our lives can actually be lived, surrounded by the light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in a very real, practical way. And that comes with sacrifice. And that comes with doing things even if we don't understand, as we'll see in a moment. And at that moment, what we're accomplishing is we're enabling our actions in this world to literally become bound up with the primordial, original thought and the desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu so that He should be brought into our lives. That's the whole purpose of the Torah and the mitzvah. And that's drawing God into our world in such a deep way, into our lives. And this was Kairach's problem. Listen to this, he says a very deep thing. 
Sha'am Rabbi Sein is the Racha the Helige. Chazal tell us. Sha'machlukdai that Korach's Machlekes on Moshe Hoyashashal. What was his Machlekes? How did he challenge Moshe? You know how? He came to Moshe and he says, Let me ask you a question. Tala Shikulit Chelis. Chayebis Betzitzes? Is a talus that's completely made out of tchelis. Do you have to put tzitzis on it? Amalai hein, my Shabbinah said, of course. His chum is sachigalov, and Korach started to mock him. And he made a kavachaymer. Ma talishol min acher chodechot shal tchelis poitra. If a regular talus that's made out of any other material or any other color only needs one psil tchelis in tzitzis to be patarit, right, to make this a garment that you can now wear, kavachaymer, if the whole thing is made out of tchelis, of course. V'chein shal, and he asked a very similar question. Bayis malisvarim, chayi b'mezuzah v'chulu kanal. Hainu kanal. He asked the same question regarding mezuzah. You have a house that's full of svarim, and he made a kavachaymer. Just like putting one little mezuzah on a doorway is going to go ahead and is going to pat to the whole house now because you have a mezuzah. So you can imagine a house that's full of svarim. Why would you need a mezuzah? Says Reb like what's Karach's problem? What, what, what's the crux of his argument here? And there's so much depth here in the Svarim Amarach. They examine this Medrash or Gemara from a thousand different angles. But it says Reb Nassim very simple. Korach Kafar Be'ikr. He says, basics. It wasn't just this argument over leadership. Korach was Kafar Be'ikr. Ube'emes Cholak ala Torah Kula. He wasn't really arguing on Moshe in as much as he was arguing on the very concept of the Torah in and of itself and its ability to draw God down from the highest, most exalted levels of spirituality down into the lowest depths of physicality. Karach did not want to believe that that's what the purpose of Torah and Mitzvah is. He thought just, if God gave us the Torah and he wanted us to have meaning in our lives and so he gave us general guidelines you know, into how we can take certain activities that will remind us and different reasons that he gave for the mitzvahs. He fell into this crazy kind of idea that there is a God, but that God exists all the way removed and it's below his dignity, that he should come down into this world as if this physical world is not permeated with godliness, as if God could go ahead and create something, remove himself from it and allow it to function independent of him. When truth less asar punimine. There's no theological or philosophical possibility for there to be any sort of, for there to be any sort of conscious expression of physicality outside of him. There is no outside of him. So Kairach wanted to believe in a disconnect. So therefore, what did he do? He says such a deep thing. Sakarach so was trying to go ahead and to challenge the detailed aspects of the nuances of the halachic details of how a mitzvah is supposed to be done. He had no problem accepting the klalias of the mitzvah. Why? Why was Kairach so specifically focusing on the details of the mitzvah when the klalias of the mitzvah, the concept of tzitzis, it doesn't say that Kairach came to Moshe and he started belittling the concept of tzitzis. That he had no problem with. It was the details. It was the halachic nuance. Why? What's the difference? Says the Heliger of Nasan, and this is such a beautiful, deep thing. And I hinted to this, alluded to this already before, that when it comes to the klalias of a mitzvah, when you think about a mitzvah like sukkis, right? You think about the generality of a mitzvah of sukkis and the mitzvah of yishuv, to sit in a sukkah, and the mitzvah of dalad, meaning bechlal. So when you zoom all the way out, and you can refer to these mitzvahs generally, it becomes possible to give general reasons for why God would have wanted that human beings should sit in a hut outside during seven days at that specific time of year and, uh, and, and, and for why God would want conceivably adult males to go into a synagogue, into a shul and to shake plants around, right? Because again, when it's not focused on what kind of plant and what are the details and the nuances of how the lulav needs to be and how to hold the esrik and what hand to hold the esrik and at what time to hold the esrik and so on and so forth, when it's general, we can give general reasons. But when it comes down to the specifics, that are there in order to enable our activity, to be able and our embodiment of the mitzvot in that action to bind together the reish called dargan, which is God's desire, all the way down into the sof called dargan of specificity and details upon details upon details, 
all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to explain in this way of just a general reason for why God conceivably wanted all for us, not for him, not, not because we're helping him, so to speak, in binding you know, this world and the next world, not because we're drawing him down into every detail. Stam, stam, because it's a nice little vacation, it's a nice little break, the weather's good, you sit outside. Or for whatever other reason that they might be able to come up with for why Hashem wanted Afka plants, but all in a general sort of consciousness. So he says, You can explain away the general aspects of the mitzvahs, Bechlal, Shabbos, Bechlal, the concept of Shabbos, you can give some reason that is not in relation to God. And that doesn't have any bearing on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's needs, Kibiyahu. But that only relates to our needs. And so Shabbos, once every seven days, God wanted that man should rest. Bechlalius. It was the time of the Haskalah, and so they wanted to preserve certain elements, right? Even conservative Judaism, Reform Judaism, even all the way back then, still contained and still maintained certain elements, right? Of even traditional mitzvot and tefillah and so on and so forth, generally speaking, because they were of the what they called the rationalist approach, where it was about us. And we can give reasons that we can understand for a lot of the mitzvot, but that's only Bikhlalius. Because they wanted us to start to think about the mitzvahs in the sense of human beings and what the mitzvahs are doing for us rather than what we're allowing the mitzvahs to do for God. And in terms of a relationship with Him, and in terms of Him being conscious and a part of our lives, wanting to dwell within every detail of our lives, wanting to transform our lives into something holy, into something higher, to bring down a light through our actions, to be able to bind the lowest pockets of the physical world to the highest realm of spirituality. They refuse to believe that through the mitzvahs we become one with Hashem. That the mitzvah, like we say here so often, is not interpreted as commandment, but savsa, a relationship, a connection, a vehicle for intimacy. And that our mitzvahs are affecting the higher spiritual worlds, which in turn affect every single particle of physicality. That our mitzvahs are actually going ahead and changing things on a cosmic level. They refuse to believe any of this. But when you start to go into the detailed aspect of the nuances of the mitzvahs, they have nothing to answer you. And they're not able to go ahead and to give you a rational reason why dafka this plant and why dafka this species. When you get down to the nitty-gritty of the details of Hilcha Shabbos, all of a sudden it's not so easy to simply explain it away on a rational level because the Torah is not rational. Although there are many aspects of the Torah that are incredibly intuitive and rational. But ultimately the Torah is a mystical system that becomes enclosed within rational actions and physical properties that we're able to understand and to, and to, and to, and to work through and to, and, and to apply in our lives. But that's only the gufha mitzvah. There's a neshama of the mitzvah. And the ikr is the neshama. The ikr is what we're affecting when we put on tefillah, not the act of tefillah in and of itself. But it's what we're causing to happen in the higher spiritual worlds at the root of what tefillin is so that when I go ahead and I wake up in the morning and I put tefillin on my arm, all of a sudden there's a tikkun, there's a unification in the higher worlds and I'm helping, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kiviyachal in Melech Am, that God is in search of man, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world not so much for us but for Him in a certain way so that we can reveal His godliness in this world. Ultimately it's for us, but us is Him, right? And so the end, those two things meet. But ultimately... We mean something on the cosmic level. And HaKadosh Baruch who built all the worlds like the Nebuchadnezzar speaks so deeply about in the first shower of Nebuchadnezzar absolutely required reading. When the Nebuchadnezzar teaches that the whole entire creation is a system of chains, links in a chain. And each link depends on the next link. That depends on the next link. That depends on the next link. Higher and higher and higher like we described in the beginning of this year. And he says, you know what the highest realm is? You know what the highest link is? Nishmas Yisrael is the Jewish soul that was Kadmul Oilam. That David HaMelech describes when he says, Achar v'kedem sartani, Yutzar, you created me, Miloshan v'yitzar, you created me, Achar v'kedem, the furthest back, 
but the furthest front as well. What does that mean? Say Chazal, Achar the human being was created last in creation, but that's the physical body, but Kedem Lemaise Merkava, but the Neshama of Adam Rishon was, was the first thing that was conceived. Yisrael Allah B'Machshava And that means that ultimately, when we take a physical action, imbued with the spirituality within us that allows us to move, that allows us to speak, that allows us to sacrifice our own desires for the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we do that, immediately we're triggering something at the very root of the whole system, and that shakes the entire rope and affects every other level all the way down. Like the Pasuk says, Yaakov Chevel Nachalaso. Yaakov, Am Yisrael, is the, is the rope of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's inheritance. And you know what's so beautiful about a rope? If you shake the bottom end of it, what happens? It ripples all the way up to the top. And when the top is shaken, it goes all the way down to the bottom. And that's where Am Yisrael find themselves. Rooted in the Reishis, rooted in the Achris. And that's what the mitzvahs are for. So that we should go ahead and take every single detail and sacrifice to study and to learn and to implement and to put into practice every detail of the Torah so that we can bring together the Reishis and the Achris just as we, in and of our own composition, as soul and body, are Reishis and Achris in and of ourselves. So he says, in these they can't give a reason. And that leads them to go ahead and to make fun and to mock so, you know, there's so nuanced and so details. Why are Chazal sitting there and they're arguing over every single detail? How do you tie your shoe in what order? Who cares? Because on a clulliest level, who cares the details? They want a cultural Judaism where it's about us and it's for us to help us provide meaning to our lives and assign meaning to our lives to an otherwise meaningless existence. But when you get down to the details, it becomes much more difficult to really explain that away. And so they make fun of it. That's what they make fun of. Not the Chlalias of Shabbos. They can respect Shabbos. But the Halachas of the Shvusim, all of these details, Amir La'akam with all the incredible, complex Halachas, Ilchus Muksa, and Muksa Machmas Mias, and Machmas Chasan Kis, and all the details, and buses, and so on and so forth, that, that's what they're going to be Mislotzitz about. And specifically about Tarash they're going to mock. We don't need to go ahead and to speak length, in lengthy terms about their mistaken understanding. Because this was where there was the disconnect. This was his mistaken approach by viewing Yiddishkeit as essentially a rational system and anything that we can't explain or anything that we can't understand is sort of outside the purview of what we perceive to be important. And this refusal to see the Torah as essentially a mystical system that allows us to take physical actions that are ultimately causing and bringing about spiritual rectifications in the higher spiritual realms that then have an actual impact on physicality as we know it, not just in our lives, but in the world at large. Right? So, so Karach went ahead and he's making fun of the details of the mitzvahs. Because he refused to believe that there's a concept of Kabbalah. And that the Kabbalah is the neshama of the Torah. And that that's the source of all the mitzvahs. And any person who looks at the mitzvahs as being mitzvahs in and of themselves, a set of actions, halacha in and of itself, disconnected, disjointed from the deeper sodas, from the deeper intentions behind that, is like the Zohar Kaddish says, woe is to the person that looks only at the garment and doesn't focus on the person that's wearing the garment. Because the ikr is the person. Of course, the person needs garments in order to come to revelation within our contemporary society. But the ikr is the inside. And a person should never let go of that and never forget that for a moment. And they didn't want to believe in that. They didn't want to believe that there are deep mystical secrets in the mitzvahs. That it's within this experience of Yiddishkeit, and we spoke about this in the beginning of the Sikha Saran series, that it's in this particular approach to Yiddishkeit where all of a sudden it becomes an intimate relationship. Where all of a sudden we're able to sort of give something to God, where it's reciprocal, there's reciprocity. We give to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, He gives to us. That's called a healthy relationship. Instead of this stoic being that's the unmoved mover of the philosophers, that nothing that we do can really impact Him in any sort of way. How is that supposed to be an intimate relationship? 
And so in this aspect, we're able to understand that in as much as the mitzvahs are supposed to reach a very lofty place, well, the physical action is not going to do that. It's the spirituality that imbues the physical activity that's able to reach that place and to give something to Hashem in terms of the way that He created the world. Of course, Hashem is complete. But this is what His will was for a world in which we can play an actual role of consequence. We're powerful. This is Yaakov Avinu's dream, Sula Mutzav Arza, that's the Bechina, that's the Bechina of the Gemar, of the end, Ani Achron. But the top of the ladder is reaching the highest realms of heaven, is the Bechina of Reishis, is the Bechina of Tchila, is the Bechina of Ayin, of Keser. And Yaakov Avinu sees this ladder and he's able to understand that it's only an externalization of understanding who he is and what the nature of his own makeup is. And that's why both the Nevesha Chaim and the, Baal, and, and, and the Redich of Arav and the other Tzadikim say that that's what the, that's what the Pesach means. Umalachi Elohim and the angels oil in the yard and we're going up and down. Bo. Who's that Bo referring to? That word Bez Vav. It's not referring to Say Chazal. I'm sorry, Say the Tzadikim. It's not referring to the ladder that they were going up and down the ladder. But because Yaakov Avinu is of this nature where he reaches the bottom and he reaches the top that from the aspect of the body he's the lowest creature in existence. But from the aspect of the neshama, he's able to reach beyond Kedem Lamaisi Merkava. So Mamela, every action that he takes, reaches the very first link in the chain, the beginning of the rope. Umalachi Elohim and the very angels, Oyulamiyardim, are going up or going down, bow, depending on him, depending on his own actions. He's able to impact the entirety of existence. And this is an incredibly empowering way of giving over Yiddishkeit to our children by making them aware of not so much how we're so reliant on God. God needs us. And a Kaddish Baruch who wants that we should play a role. And a Kaddish Baruch who gives us the keys to the castle. And a Kaddish Baruch who charges us with going ahead and doing something that he, for reasons that one won't understand, he chose not to do himself. But he sends himself in the form of the sparks of the Shekhinah that you and I contain into this world to transform this place into a bastion of holiness and spirituality and to sanctify every pocket of physicality to fill that with the light of the Orin Sov to bring together the Gmar and the, and the, and the, and the, and the Tchila the Reish and the Sov the Ani Rishon and the Ani Achron in every detail of the mitzvahs which we understand as being so important because it has to be the Gmar of the Gmar of the Gmar not simply to stop somewhere in between and to keep some level of Shabbos. No, to find out what did God really intend for Shabbos to be with all the details because the details take on infinite significance when it's a reciprocal relationship and this is how we give to Ka, give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kibiyachu. He says. And that's why specifically we need to go ahead. Every single detail we need to go ahead and to learn in order. And the details. To go ahead and to put on sitzes where? Not to have a whole beged made out of trelas, but to go ahead and to put sitzes on the corners, specifically on the corners. You can hang them on your window shades to have the tzitzis in front of you and to hang them on your glasses that you have them on the sides all the time. And we would think that that's a much better reminder than to have them on the beget. It's very beautiful, but that's not the mitzvah of tzitzis, I'm sorry to say. You can make very, very long tzitzis and wrap your whole body like a, like a mummy in tzitzis from, the, from your feet until your head. Or like Koyrach suggested, make for yourself a beggar that's full of tzitzis, that's completely filled with tzitzis. And It's even worse. There's a, there's, a, there's a way of belittling the Torah of Moshe by doing it our way. Because that's not the emes. And it's for us as opposed to for him. And Hasidus wants that we should live our lives for him, not for us, not based on our own sensitivities of what we perceive to feel good or what sounds good or for our own ends and for our own needs. And the sweetest part about it is that a person that runs away from kavod, that's the person that gets kavod, right? The person that runs away from a pleasurable existence in this world through the dimayon of us arrogantly 
assuming that we can know what it is to live the best possible way. But when a person aligns his or her life completely with the Torah in a healthy, balanced, normal, sweet, beautiful, Mimela turns out that he's living the best life that he could have ever dreamed for him or herself, right? But it's decidedly not in that order. The first thing is to try to align our will with the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as best as we possibly can. This is the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that we should go ahead and try to manifest His will in the physical world is to focus on the details because it's in the details that the Gemar that the finality of this vision that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had long before creating a physical world in which these actions would be even possible. HaKadosh Baruch Hu dreamed of specifically Dalad Minim with this kind of Minim and with an Esrik Dafka like this because there are Tikkunim that take place. And this is how we reveal Godly HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the deepest depth of the details of our lives because details are this worldly oriented. Up above it's not so much details because it's more and more the realm of unity. Details are connected to the physical world. It's in the physical world where there are options, where there's a choice between one and another and a multifarious, uh, you know, multiplicity of choices in any given course of action, it's specifically here that the details matter the most. And when we align our details with God's vision and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon, so that's how we're making for HaKadosh Baruch Hu a dear betachtonim, betachtone tachtonim, using our physical bodies to align ourselves with the will of the Neshama, thereby binding the entire system of creation together. Sof Masa b'machshavat tchila, the body that's achar l'maiseh coming into contact with the Neshama, that's tchila l'maiseh merkava, and bringing about tremendous bracha and shefa throughout the entire system of the channels allowing the rashes to be revealed not to spite but specifically through the achras thereby transforming this world into a dira into a dwelling place for HaKadosh Baruch the Alkein Korach Shekafar again Alkein Sha'al so Korach he didn't ask about tzitzis and say, All right, there's no need for tzitzis, no. He mocked the details. That's an that's akuda. Sorry about that. Um, I apologize about that. This is the Indian of... of um, HaKadosh Baruch always makes it this way, that whenever you have something of incredible holiness, some emela, it's going to attract Rahman al-Tzlan, sometimes the opposite. I apologize about that. And we should be very careful to do passwords, Bezer Hashem, from now on. And I will try to remember to do so, so that not everybody can get in. I apologize. So this is the Nukuda, Chavar. Let's not lose it. Adarabba. Adarabba. This is the world, Chavar. This is the world that God created. He wanted us to sit in a world where such a thing is possible, and He wanted us to choose to align ourselves with Him. What a privilege. What a privilege. This is Dafka the Gemar. Dafka after seeing that. This is the Gemar. That we choose in this sick world to be able to remove ourselves from that, and to be able to allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu's erasures to be revealed dafka within our lives. Ashreinu matoyv chalkeinu. Ashreinu that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was mezaka us to this beautiful, incredible, wonderful life. That we could be mezukak, that we could be clear, that we could be elevated, we could be lifted above. That we could live like humans, not like animals, like humans. What a privilege. Is there any deeper privilege? And this is the lesson, Chevron. So in as much as I'm sorry that that just happened, terribly so, but this itself is the message. This is the world that God wanted us to clarify and to shine a light to all of existence, what it means, that we could be neshamas beguf and mamish, ashreinu. And this is the nakuda that we have over here. This is kairach, exhibit A, right? This is kairach. V'sachak mizeh so he mocks this and he goes ahead to say what? That why would a talus that's filled with trelis be chayiv in tzitzis? Because the details don't matter. Because all of our lives are lived in this animalistic sense of meaninglessness. And okay, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes that we should have mitzvahs, v'klalias that a person should want. But that's not the nakuda. We don't give God anything. 
It's impossible to truly channel HaGadosh Baruch Hu's light into our lives and to live in an elevated way, mamish in an elevated way. He didn't believe that a human being could get to such a level where we can literally manifest godliness in this world and to elevate and to sanctify this lowly, dirty place. Every detail of details of details. Not to give up on one detail in as much as we can in a healthy way. To go step by step by step by step and to become educated in the halachas of what mitzvahs are. So that we can bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu dafka into these details in the sweetest, most wonderful way. B'shleimus. So that we can bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into our lives in such a deep way, and we can, and we will do this. We will, we must. Because He needs us, He trusts us. This is our mission. It's not about our own personal tikkun. This is what the nation of the Jewish people from beginning of time to the end of time are charged with in every single generation to do this, to do what we're doing right now, to learn Divrei Torah for the purpose of being Makai in this, not simply to go ahead and to hear a nice Divrei Torah, stay over by a Shabbos meal. No, but to change the way we think, to change the way we see, to change the things we look at, to change the way that we live. And we can do this. So that we can bring this world back into intimacy and unity with Him. This is the Nikuda of Klalius Achras Bereshis. He says there's more to speak about in the way of what the Indian of Kairach was, and there's so much to speak about. But he says, This is the Nakuda, he says, that a mitzvah is called by whom? Who gets the credit, like we said in the beginning? It's the person who brings it Why? Because it's specifically when we're actually able to actualize that desire and to take an action and to do something holy. It's then that we're able to go ahead and to carry out this will that God had before there was such a thing as a world, before there was such a thing as a garment, before there was such a thing as a Jew. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu had this incredible dream of you and me. This is who he dreamed about, you and me. With all of our faults and all of our flaws and all of our low days and all of our inability sometimes to completely align ourselves with the lifestyle that we know we should be living, but with all of our Ritzayinus Tavis and all of our bringing the Kachalapal, this is who God dreamed of, me and you. There's no one else. We are the players. We are it. We are the Yidin of this generation. And he says, still, even when a person goes ahead and he actually is able to carry out a mitzvah, but then we still have to daven afterwards. Was that really, really the end serving the ultimate tachlis of the mitzvah? Sometimes a person can do a mitzvah at somebody else's expense. And we have to ask ourselves, well, was that really the tachlis hatoiv? Did that have a good impact, a good effect on those that were watching or those that were listening? It takes a lot of tefillah. It's not just the action in and of itself, but a lifetime taken as a whole. Don't believe in yourself until the day that you die and we should all live long and happy till 120. And to douse ourselves in Kedusha. But then when a person gets to the end, to the Gemara of the Gemara of the Gemara, the sum total of all the mitzvahs that a person had been doing, which were each many victories in and of themselves, but a person can actualize all of this in terms of a full lifestyle, a full lifetime, where a person can look over these years and these decades and, 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 and a century or more Be'ez Hashem and we're able to look at what we managed to live step by step day by day tefillahs mitzvahs ma'isem toivim to try to shine that light of elikus to the world to become the embodiment of the Pasuk that we stand testament to the fact that there is a creator we stand strong and proud and we embody what it is not the entitlement or the arrogance but the humility and the wonder of being able to live in the presence of a God who loves us so much that He gave us the Torah and that He gave us the ability to keep it. 
and that he gives us so much strength to overcome so many obstacles that are all demyonas and to see things as they really are and to attain das and to overcome Ashrei fortunate is such a person and I bless it upon myself and all of us here and therefore we see that many, many people start and they have great intentions and they want to start a new program, they want to start a new thing and it's awesome and it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the essence of who they are that's so excited. It's not a dimion, but there are very, very few that make it that actualize all of the ideals that they were dreaming about and davening for. And there are many people who, somewhere in the middle, they fall off the train. To say that, okay, because the sum total wasn't completely whole, so none of the parts matter. Each, each tiny little nikud, and every step that we take, is a victory in and of itself and is accomplishing the purpose of creation. We don't have the next moment. All we have is the present. That's all that's really here. Nothing's lost. Every word, every every movement, every action to Kedusha, nothing's lost. And these are going to last him for all eternity. The holy things that a person did in this world. These are going to accompany him. Even if a person didn't win the war, it's not about the war, it's about the little battles. Each and every nikuda, every step along the way is precious and is shining for eternity. But that being so, and what we're about to say, there's nothing to negate that truth. This is the beautiful breastle of balance of two things being able to be true at once and neither of them negating the other, but both functioning as truth in tandem with one another. To really live the ideal life of Kedusha and Tara all the way till the end. That's only when a person is able to really bring it. To finish the job. Until the end, as much as he can or she can. Right when they're about to actualize and to step in, in terms of the story of our lives and the story of the lost princess, in terms of the, certainly the lost princess principles course, we call this deserts, fields, and forests, right? That when a person is about to enter into a brand new stage, boom, a desert again, right? And that Amalek and that Kriros and that field of I'm never going to be able to make it and I can't move forward. Why is that? It's because you're about to complete because every completion of an earlier stage is itself the beginning of a new stage. And every beginning of a new stage is itself the completion of the last stage. And the Yitzhar can't handle us actualizing something kadosh. He'll have us dream and he'll have us express desire and will and he'll have us plan and he'll have us get excited about something. But the Iker is to bring it mikoach alapal to mamish bring it to the finish line. And this will end. And this is how it is with the world at large. He says, now in our generation, and if Rabbi Nassim was saying this then, then certainly today, that you can have such an Indian of people that get together on a Zoom call to try to connect to Dvarim Shabbat and Baruch Hashem. We live in such a world of isn't just outside in the street, but it's in the base Medrash, Atzma, Mamish, Kibshutai. That we live in such a world of Babulim and such a world of Tumah such a world of, uh, of, of, of struggle and difficulty of achras to reishas and reishas to achras of neshama to guf and guf to neshama behelam echad mamish in one minute the toichidei dibur so that we're mamish getting to the very, 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 very end and it's you and I that are going to actually be the ones to manifest God's dream of those that are standing up dafka amidst the filth and refuse to allow that to knock us over and refuse to allow, uh, to allow that to cause us to give up hope and refuse to allow that to, dis- to cause us to discontinue our yearning and our desire. We don't want that. We don't care about that. So certainly in our generation, the Bechina of Achris, Bechina's Achris Hayyamim, Shalzeh, Snaba, Moish Rabbeinu, Allah Shalom, this is Moish Rabbeinu's incredible, incredible, deep, deep vision. That Moish had you and me in mind. That Moish Rabbeinu had this Zoom call in mind. 
And that's why it's in our generation that the Yitzhar is so much stronger than it ever was. Incredibly so. Almost laughably so. It's not even close. It's literally not even close. The accessibility and so on. And again, without going too much into it, but this is Mamash Exhibit A, that such a thing is possible. It's Dafka. You know, the, the sad and almost comedic but very tragic reality of our bizarre and absurd circumstances. And it's very, very difficult for many to hold on, and many have not been successful. It's not only like it used to be that people were embarrassed, but over here they turned it into a shita. And over here they turned their way of acting in such an egoistic way, of, of trying to go ahead and to change and define what Abba Hashem is to fit our needs as opposed to trying humbly to understand what it is that God actually wants from us. Again, this is their battles. Halavai, this should be our battles today. Halavai. But that was in their time that people stopped looking Jewish, whatever that meant for that time. Everybody's fallen into this experience of this worldliness. And very few people are really connected to Torah and Avod. And there are very few like it used to be. Why? This is a good sign. It's a wonderful indicator that we live in this generation. We're in this incredible, incredible generation where we find ourselves at the very end. Nassim said this 200 years ago. A thousand million to where we are now. Minutes to midnight. Mamish Kipshutai. And Ramnasan certainly couldn't have dreamt that there would be a Holocaust in between. But here we are, in this incredibly paradoxical state of living after we've died, and Mamish coming back to life in this miraculous way. And Mashiach can't be that much longer in coming. And I'll tell you a secret he's already here, and it's already happening. And Mashiach is far more than just an individual, Mashiach is a consciousness. It's a das, and this itself is part of it. To, to experience Yiddishkeit in such a way, to get beyond the garments, to look at the Torah, the hidden Torah, the depth of it, to bring godliness into the world in terms of our perception. That's half the battle already. Then will be the Geula Geula Shleim, the final Geula, the third and final redemption. And the world will be completely and entirely rectified. The Pasik says the Achris of something is better than the Rashis. Ultimately, they were still part of the process, in as much as they were a, a completion in the, in the context of that you know, specific circumstance, but it wasn't the entirety. The Achsha, but now, with this more Mamash finishing, the Mashiach, the Mashiach's consciousness has already been shining since the Baal Shem HaKadosh came to the world, and specifically through Rabbi Nachman Breslover. But we're coming to the end. We're returning. Am Yisrael is returning. We're fed up with hiding, and we're fed up with externalities, and we're fed up with culturalism, and we're fed up with the institutions, and we're fed up with all of the Sheker. And we want the depth, we want the Christ, of the matter, our kids are not happy anymore. Simply with little bits and pieces to tie them over. We want the Yiddishkeit itself. We want the Neshama. We want a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We're finished. Kalu kala kitzim. It's at the end. Shenashav Hashem is Baruch La'olam. We're getting there. Mamash getting there. And the end of the end, that throughout history there have been covenants, but they've been broken. But at the final, final end, it's going to be something else. We won't anymore be in the circumstance of dirtiness and lowliness. Forever. He goes 
knows that he makes such a terrible, difficult time to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it so hard for us. And he makes that we should be fighting with one another. And this is the bottom line, literally the bottom line for tonight, to strengthen ourselves. Not to let anything get you down. On the contrary, move forward. Move forward. To be patient. To be mitmodeid. To have a shtavos. Not to let anything throw you off. You slip for a minute. Okay? You move onward. It's all good. HaGadosh Baruch is with you and we can do a whole lot more than we dare to dream. In our own personal lives, but Baklalius, we are the actualization of the earliest, earliest, earliest generations of Jews that knew that they were just beginning this very long and arduous journey. It's you and me that are going to bring it to the finish line. That's the inan tov achris davar mirishisa. That's the bechina of ena mitzvah nikre el al shem goimra. We are going to be the ones that are bringing this to the finish line. We are already doing so in the context of learning Torahs like these, being mechazik together, realizing what kind of world we live in, and not allowing that to allow us to, for one moment to have chalisha sadas on the contrary. It's the indicator that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. And the more there's Yitzhahara, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing us this is, this is it. This is the last stand. Mamash the last stand because we're bringing it to transform this world into a bastion of spirituality, to bring together the neshama and the guf, atzilus and malchus, to allow ourselves and the details and the mitzvahs to know that we're affecting the highest, highest, highest levels. And Mamash, sorry about that, and Mamash bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world in the deepest, deepest way. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu should help us that we should actualize all these things. And I think that because of what happened on this call, unfortunately, but that's the Zelu Umaseh, I think that all of us have the opportunity to put, this, to put this into practice right now and to go ahead and to understand what kind of world we live in, that such a thing is even conceivably possible, that into a base measure should, should, should be such a thing, and to mamish go with our head held high, proud, noble, strong, inspired, with incredible encouragement to know that we're mamish at the end. And this is the world that we were charged with transforming, not to run away from, but Adarava, to be eyes wide open, to know what's going on in this world and to say, it's not despite the lowliness that I'm going to be able to do something, all of us together, but it's specifically because of it. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon. Ashreinu Matayv to live in such a generation. What a wondrous generation to believe in ourselves, each and every one of us. We can do far more than we give ourselves credit for. We can, we can, we can. Don't listen to anybody who tells you otherwise. We can and we will. Be'ezer Hashem, starting Mama right now and continuing with this year and on to Shabbos and Be'ezer Hashem heading into an incredible phenomenal next week so Chodesh Tov to all of you and um, what a beautiful Shabbos we're preparing for what a privilege that we have a Torah that keeps us focused on the really important things and keeps us connected to what the core of our mission is as individuals and collectively as a whole so, Ashreinu Mamish, I apologize again, even though that was completely outside of my control. Um, but Be'ezer Hashem, we're going to have to be more careful with, um, with passwords going forward that, uh, that will implement effective immediately. Be'ezer Hashem. Okay, so thank you so, so much for being a part of it. And, uh, and Ashreinu, Mamish Ashreinu. Yes, Shukaya. Thank you, Rabbi. Wishing you the most beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Yes, you're really Jewish. <laughs> you're really Jewish, Halavai. 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 Like the Pia Setsner Rebbe says, Pashut Ratziti Lid Gayer. Just want to become a Ger. Lias Yehudi Pashit. Halavai. Thank you so, so much. Ashreinu Matev Chakenu. Until the finish line. Thank you. Ashreinu. Have a wonderful Shabbos to all.